Hey man, let's speak to him just now. Precious Lord Jesus. Lord, you've heard the cry of our heart tonight, testimony of our lips. Lord, we sing praise to you, Lord. We've, we, we've drawn the line tonight, Lord God. We've, we've made our calling in election sure. We drove the rod down the stand. We want you and nothing else. We don't want this world. We don't want to look like this world. We don't want to smell like this world. We don't want to be part of this world. Lord, we're not from here. We're from that kingdom of heaven, that, that glorious uh, glorious presence, Lord, that is just nothing but Shekinah glory. Lord, that's where we come from. That's where we belong, Lord. But we also know that while we're here in this world, in this life, in this time, and in this span, that we've got a job to do. We're not just meant to just sit down and hide away and, and just wait for the translation of our bodies, Lord. But as long as we're here, as long as there's breath in our body, there's work for us to do. Your prophet taught this. Lord, don't let us be lazy. Don't let us shy away. Don't let us give up. But let us press toward that mark harder and fiercer than we ever have before. Lord, let us believe your word and shout your name and testify of you more fierce and more strong than ever before, Lord. Lord, I pray that you might be glorified amongst your people. Thank you, Lord, for your appearance. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us before the foundation of the world. Thank you, Lord, for working on a daily basis in our lives, Lord, to make sure we don't fall. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us by your mighty right hand. Lord, as we trans, uh, trying to trans moving over into this other part of the service, Lord, transition. Lord, we've worshipped you. We've sang praise to you. We've tilled the ground up real good, Lord. I pray that you would come and sow the seed of your word in our heart. Let it be in purity. Let it be in the clarity, the clarity, Lord, and the clearness to be able to see, not through a glass darkly, but face to face. That's the eye, and that's the God that we serve. That's who's here right now, making yourself known amongst your people. Lord, we believe your word. We believe what you've declared, what you've had your prophets declare. And we didn't we see it working and moving in this world and in your bride, Lord? Oh, we're very excited. It's a very exciting time to be alive. We know there's more character growth in each one of us. There's more polishing, more sanding down, more surrendering to be done. And, and you help us with all of that, Lord. We can't do it by ourselves. You make a way, and we thank you for that, Lord. But, but at the same time, we are, all this is going on at the wrapping up of all the ages. All that's to be said and done, Lord, for this great move of God you have for this day. That answers the unbeliever's question. That answers the uh, every demon out of hell's question, where is God? 
thank you for making yourself appreciate you very much for you to help us in our service here tonight and be with us Lord in your precious lovely name Amen Amen God bless you tonight Glad that you don't serve a dead God tonight, but a very living, present help in every time of trouble. God bless you while you're standing. If you'll take your Bible and turn to Book of Acts, chapter seven. Book of Acts, chapter seven. And I want to just read. I want to come back before we sit down. After we sit it down and read a little bit more of this, but I want to open this right here today. Be part part thirteen of changed in our atoms, and and I want to just read just a few verses right here. Let, let's start with verse verse forty eight, chapter seven, Acts chapter seven, verse forty eight. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. What house will you build me? Saith the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Think about that question. What is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. So do ye. You may be seated tonight. You appreciate the Lord tonight. It's a privilege to be able to serve him. It's a privilege to be able to see what he's doing right now in this day. I was very busy yesterday, drove a lot, did a lot of different things, and I didn't have a chance to look at Lifeline, and I completely forgot all about it being February 28th. So I was very glad when Emma shared that screenshot of the anniversary 60 years ago, what happened yesterday in 1963. Brother Branham taught us, so that right there is Revelation chapter 10, verse 1. He said that the angel come down. And the message is the rising of the sun. And I shared those close to the WhatsApp page just so you'd hear what the prophet said. But the ram was pointing and he said, just like John the Baptist, he said, that's our Lord right there. And there's no doubt. There's no doubt. It's just what, what God has done. And if you just yield to what God has done and what God has available in this day, it will literally change your body. And that's kind of where we're at tonight. We're in there still in our, in our series, seeing what God has as far as the translation, as far as the rapture. And, and as we just kind of start right here in the beginning part of it, we understand that it's not a poof. We've covered that quite a bit. It's commonly taught that it's a poof that the Lord himself will descend with a shout, and then you'll poof, you'll just be raptured away. And, and you don't, no matter what your life looked like, no matter what your faith looked like, no matter where you were in your experience with God, everybody just poofs away and because that's how God always does things. It is to poof, right? That's how he's done in your experience. It was just poof. It just, no, it's always here a little, there a little. God is very, and God, you'll find so much of your life that, that's, that's, that's molded through patience. It's molded through patience. And we want to hurry right through it. Let's get this trial done. Let's get this test done. I, I want to get through this test. And, and what are you saying? Get on to the next one? But in every test, you know, as you, as you see with the Lord, it, that they're for your good. All things are for your sake. Scripture, we've wore the scripture out with you. All things are for your sakes. All things. Every test, every furnace of fire, every bed of affliction, every offense, every scar, every comp is for your sake. Scripture declares this. And it's not meant to be hurried through. 
It's not meant to be rushed through. It's meant to be examined. Lord, what, is, what do you have in this for me? Lord, I don't want to miss an opportunity. And I, I've noticed that many times you think about that. Thank you, Aaron. That, that well, I, I feel like God was doing this, and I feel like that was a missed opportunity. And there are those things. But you also have, I've had missed opportunities in the midst of my furnace, fiery furnace. I've missed opportunities there. And I've realized that I've had to go back and retake them 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 because I missed what God had for me in there. And we shared that with you on Sunday about what that number four means. That number four is an earthly number the the prophet taught us. He said it's an earthly number. He said it's a number for deliverance. And he said the reason, one one of the examples that he gave about that number four, he said, you think about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in the furnace of fire. That that was three men, three believers. But a fourth one come in and made a difference. A fourth one stepped in there. And the only thing that it affected them was that it burnt off anything that bound them. So right there, you see a perfect example of what your test is for, what your trial is for, what your furnace of fire. And there's no disputing it. It's a furnace of fire. Could it get much worse? If you need it, it will. If you need it, it will. You imagine Job uttering those words. They come to him. All of your livestock's gone. All of this is gone. All of this. Can it get much worse? Don't worry. Here come some other servants to tell you it's getting much, much worse. It gets as bad as it needs to be. And, and, and I've thought a lot lately about, I've been kind of going through some things my, in my own heart, my own experience with God. And, and I've wondered, I come to a question just today. I wondered if I've ever been mad at God. And it's a, it's a simple question. I've wondered if I've ever been mad at God, and I've thought about that. You, you, I, I remember a very dear friend of mine preached a message years ago about why. I thought it was a powerful sermon. Why? Why? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did this occur? Why did this? And I, I think about it, and, and, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've not been, I, I don't think that I've been in um, a circumstance to where that I was mad at God. I don't think. And if, God, if I'm wrong, then God will bring that to my memory. But I've thought about everything that I've ever fallen on my face for, every scar, everything I've ever done. I knew it was my fault. I knew I had it coming. Uh, the day I got this right here, I knew that morning something was coming. The day I broke my ankle, I knew that was coming. I knew it was coming because I thought about that. Every, I've told Bethany earlier tonight that if I lost everything right now, if my wife, my kids was taken away, everything was taken away, I would know that at the very least he's repaying me for what I, I, I deserved. And I don't know if I would come back and say, why would you do this? Who do you think you are? I would say, God, thank you for your mercy. I'm not perfect, not whatsoever. I'm talking about my response and my, my reaction. And, and, and there's a variety. God has a variety. God has a bouquet. <clears throat> and we're always wanting to check our motives and our objectives. Check where we're coming from. Because we said a lot about how you feel about your neighbor, your husband, your wife, your sister, your brother. That's probably the way you feel about God. And I've had times of frustrations where that, that I didn't want somebody being around me because I was frustrated or irritated with them. And I noticed that the devil does that. The devil will make me frustrated at somebody because if they're not around me, I can't help them and they can't help me. So all he's got to do is make some things frustrated. I'm like, you know what? Go. And that's what the devil does. That's where the devil gets traction in you. And the devil will trick all these different things and, and even put a spirit of a victim upon you. Make you feel like you're a victim. Well, well, this happened to me, and this happened to me, and this happened to me, and, and this happened to me, and, and well, I'm deserving of being a victim, and I need pity, and that's a demon right there. That's an unclean spirit out of hell. 
And the reason why I tell you this is I can point you right to the picture of purity, the picture of perfectness, perfectness, and you find the Lord Jesus. He's minding his own business in the Garden of Gethsemane, and these men come out with sticks and staves and took him and then took him to a kangaroo court and had liars paid to lie on him, and then they took him and they beat him and they threw a crown of thorns on his head. He was as innocent as can be. And the scripture says over and over and over and over, and even in prophecy of him, there was no guile found in him. No guile. What are you doing this to me for? What are you doing this to me for? Why are you doing this to me for? Why? No. It said he opened not his mouth. Now, we know that he's the perfect one. Nobody's disputing that, but he's also our template. He's our example. He's what we will be. He's what we will be. And so many times in that, you can find where, because the Bible says, examine yourselves. It also says, be not ignorant concerning Satan's devices. Satan wants to get any little kind of unclean spirit up in you. He's trying to get a little, little bird, a little, little hiccup, so he can try to get some, you know, some, some, grab, some, some grip, some traction in your life. And, and he's looking for anything like that. Well, this was done. This scars, this complex. And I, and I shared that with you just last year in the youth meeting there on Thursday night. Brother Andrew Glover had made a statement about you, you got every one of us have complexes. Every one of us in your walk, you get complexes. You get offenses. They come. Offenses will come. Uh, offenses will come. Second Timothy says that all those that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So if you want to live for the Lord Jesus, you know as soon as you step your foot up to that fight, you're going to suffer persecution. And it's not promised that it'll be easy. It's promised to be so bad they could even kill you over it. That's what you're designing up for. You're not looking for a fire, you know, uh, just a flowery bed of ease. I need picnics. I need roses. I need rainbows. It needs to be perfect. No, no, no. It's a rugged cross. And if you're not willing to take that rugged cross, you're not worthy to be accounted with him. And if you're not worthy to be accounted with him, you will not reign with him. You will not live with him. You will not be changed as he is. So you see where Satan will try to get traction on you. And Satan with his affliction, with his, uh, his afflictions of complexes. And I said, oh, Sam, Brother Andrew made that statement. Walk out of it. Just walk out of it. And I'm sitting there, 41 years old, not 42 yet, last year. 41 years old, raised in the message my entire life, had believed ever since I started believing the presence of the Lord, that he's here, all those things, all those things, and yet I'm sitting there with complexes on me, and he makes the most simplest of statements to just walk out of it. I thought, that's profound. That's very profound. Now, I know other people say it's too simple and it's too Pentecostal. You know what? Stay in the prison. I don't care. I'll stop with that there. So Stephen is standing here before his accusers. And you know how Stephen got his job? Stephen would have been a deacon. Stephen was, you know, how the early church was being built uh, and all that was done. And Peter told him, you find these men full of faith, that have good character, good report, and you, you set them in order to that be. And they found someone that was said it was full of the Holy Ghost. He was full of the Holy Ghost. So he's testifying, he's preaching, and now he's been brought before the same kind of a council that the Lord Jesus was brought before, and they had people to lie, just like the Lord Jesus, and he's sitting there, and he never gets mad at them. He keeps telling them, this is what you've done, this is what the Scripture says you would do, this is you fulfilling the Scripture, and now here we are standing, but don't worry, I see, 
The Lord Jesus, I see the mercy, I see the grace, I know what God has, I, and, and no doubt knew that his life was forfeit. He knew that he wouldn't leave there, that it, that was going to be the end for him. Yet he stood there and still did not quench what God had to come out of his mouth. It's easy when you're confronted with your life taken from you that you thought, well, maybe I won't say that. Maybe I won't say that. Maybe I won't say that. That's very easy. Maybe they'll kill me quicker. Maybe they won't drag it out. Maybe they won't stone me to death. But he kept on. And he's telling them that you've, that, that you've always resisted the Holy Ghost, that you're stiff-necked, that you're uncircumcised in heart, that your hearts are hardened. And again, not talking about you know, necessarily a believer. I'm not trying to line that up and say that you were that as a believer, but, but we each one had a stony heart. Your heart is stony right now. You can let your heart get hardened as a Holy Ghost-filled believer. It's a fact. You can let your hearts harden as a Holy Ghost-filled believer. You can let that. You can let a root of bitterness spring up. You can let all these different things, and it will shut you down to where you're stiff-necked. And you know what stiff-necked is that if God is speaking, you can't turn and look because you're stiff-necked. But if God is speaking, how many times can you think in different visions, Brother Ram told about he heard a voice behind him talking. John said the same thing all through the book of Revelation. I heard a voice behind me speaking. I heard a voice behind me speaking. So many times Brother Ram said that angel was behind me speaking. Sitting there talking. If, if he was stiff-necked, he couldn't have turned and heard what God had for him, had for you. Again, you see where the devil tries to shut you down. And I, I told you Sunday, it surprised me in this study on the rapture how much the Lord has spent in just our spirit, in the area of our spirit, in the area of our spirit, and the complexes, and the, you know, the talking about each other, and the not loving one another, not bearing one another's burdens. And, and, and I, you know, I, it, that can't be that simple, can it? But apparently it is. So he said, the most high dwell not in temples made by stone, by hands. Not dwell in temples made by hands, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build me? I love that question. And we kind of share that with you and, and preach that to you on Sunday where Jesus asked him about, if I with the finger of God cast out demons, how do your sons do it? That was a question. That was a question. So I would ask you this. How do you do it? If he with the finger of God cast out demons, how do you do it? They get too close up in your face? Is that putting you on the spot? Good. How do you do it? Each one of us fight demons. Each one of us, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We come against principalities, powers of darkness, demons out of, right out of hell. Now, you can crawl, curl up into a ball on the floor and let them kick you. That's all you want. But you don't have to. You don't have to. They are defeated, and you're not. You have to actually put yourself in the fetal position on the floor. You're not meant to be there. You're not meant to be there. He said, what house will you build me? So let's put that as a question to you. How will you build your house for the Lord Jesus? I'm not talking about the abode you live in. I'm talking about this house right here. The Bible says that you're the field, that, that you're his handiwork, that you're the creation of God. And we shared that with you about your body was specifically designed to be his throne. Right here, his throne to rule and reign from your heart. Every human being you will ever meet is designed the exact same way. Every human being, that's what they're designed for. And if he's not there, they're living in a perverted and defiled abomination existence. Such as were ye, such as were I. But that's what is meant to be. So what house will you build him? Will you surrender your life so he can have control in your life, in your house? So he can lead and guide you. Will you surrender all that you are? Or will you be stiff-necked? Will you be hard-hearted? Lord, I won't give you that. I won't let you have that. 
I won't let you have that. I want to skip down to after, you know, just down to verse 55 is, is he's, you know, they've all said what he told them and, and, but he being full of the Holy Ghost. I love that. He being full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, there was, there was a, uh, a lady, I think, that come to the prayer line in one of the certain, the tapes and Brother Brown was praying for her and he said, God, I pray you fill her to capacity. I've thought about that statement a lot in the last few weeks. Fill her to capacity. Overflowing. That's what I want. I want someone to say Sam Parker's full of the Holy Ghost, not full of Sam Parker. I don't want, you know, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, love, you know, more than lovers. I don't want that to ever be said about Sam Parker. I want someone to say he's full of the Holy Ghost. When I look at him, I don't even see Sam Parker anymore. He looked up steadfast into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen while he was calling upon God. And he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Receive my spirit. Now, again, this part of the, uh, of the rapture that we're preaching on is this voice. This voice. Your reaction. What is your response to be? They were smashing his head in. I hope that's ugly enough for you. They were smashing his head in. And he said, forgive them, Lord. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried with a loud voice and said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You know, he said he cried with a loud voice. Remember, this voice. And all these things tie together. And you, again, I, I, I'm astonished almost at the simplisticness of, of a man or woman of God being built in a certain way that is pure humility and it's pure grace. It's not offended. It's not scarred. It's not, you know, I'm going to hold this against you. It's not stingy. It's not any of those things. It's don't lay this to their charge, Lord. Turn over to Exodus chapter 24. <coughs> Exodus chapter 24. Now, I want to read to you again before we, where we hit that chapter, that what we read on Sunday about uh, from the message of paradox. That element is given to us. That element is given to us if we'll just abide in the word. If we'll just abide in the word. He said, stay there. I believe we're on the verge of seeing it happen. Live true to the word. There you are. He had cooked fish. That was a paradox. And you know, he's of course talking about feeding the 5,000. He had cooked fish. He wasn't pulling out raw fish. It was a changing it was a reproducing. It was tear one off, another one goes back. Tear one off, another one goes into your hand. Now, we're going to jump back in the Old Testament here in Exodus chapter 24, and we're going to <clears throat> let you see what God, let me just read it to you. Exodus chapter 24, verse 1. He said unto Moses, Come unto the Lord, thou and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, and the seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up with him. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord. God speaks only to Moses, and Moses brings it to the people. 
This was in that dispensation. God speaks only to Moses, and he tells them all the judgments. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments or the ordinances. And all the people answered with one voice. All the people answered with one voice. Now, we just left the, where, where Stephen had told uh, the, the children of Israel, the Pharisees, as he stand there, he said, your fathers, they ate man in the wilderness, they, they drank from that water, from that rock, but every one of them would not give their heart to God. Every single one of them would not repent, would not yield, would not surrender to the Lord, and just sat in their pew service after service, and would never give their heart to God. So now, testimony this is what they're saying they've heard the voice of god come off that mountain thundering moses is bringing back fruits of that land he said the lord jesus the lord elohim wasn't called jesus yet he said this is what he's spoken now, now pay attention to this he came and told the people all the words of the lord and all the judgments and all the people all of the people answered with one voice and they said all the words which the lord has said will we do all the words all the words. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar on the hill, down the bottom of the hill, and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood, put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Now, the altar... Where's the altar? Where's the throne? Where's the, the sacrifice made for you right now? And this is, this is an Old Testament type. This is an Old Testament representation of your experience with God, him sprinkling his blood upon you. He said that he has shed his love abroad upon your heart. Can you imagine shedding his love abroad, his, his life, his passion, his mercy, his glory? They, they called there in the book of Acts that when he gave his life for you and he let them rend him and rip him and kill him, that it was his passion, that all of his passion was exhibited and attributed and expressed in that act of what he did for you. All of that passion. And in this Old Testament type, Moses told to take a perfect of this and the perfect of this, and you're going to take that and put it into a basin, and you're going to bring that, that, that provision, that sacrifice to the altar, and you're going to take it and you're going to sprinkle that across the altar. Take that love, that, that, that expression of life, that expression of, 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 of in that Old Testament of that life given of that animal to be splattered all over over the altar, all over. Even in some of the, you know, a lot of the sermons where the Ram talked about people still trying to take the altar out of the church, trying to take it out. No, that's too, we're too polished for that. We're too far along. We're too this. He said, don't ever do that. He said, don't ever take that out. Don't ever, he don't ever take away an opportunity for someone to come up in front of someone else and bow down. And, and this is where Satan to get you, well, I can sit in my I can do this, and I'm not disputing that whatsoever. Not disputing that whatsoever, but Satan will also beat you up and keep you in your seat when the Lord has not called you to come up front. Too many times. And you, you can find it all through the message. Uh, there's one I was listening to just in the last six months or so. Brother Ram said, I was about to make a mistake. I was about to make a mistake and close the service, pray and close and leave. He said, I didn't know that the people wanted me to pray for them. He said, the Holy Ghost stopped me. He stopped me. He said a couple times, I was about to make a mistake. I didn't know that's the way that it wanted to go. And he said, and he stopped me. He said, they want you to lay hands on them. He said, well, come on, we'll pray for you. Have an opportunity. Now, and you, each one of you know that fight of standing up, stepping out, and walking forward. 
Satan fights you every square inch, every another. No, people are looking at you. What are you going up for? I thought you had it all. I thought you were a perfect Christian. No, I'm just coming. I'm just coming. I, I'm going gonna, gonna to let nothing hinder me from getting whatever I need. And Satan will use that to chain you down to your seat. Use it to chain you down to your seat. Moses took half of the blood, half of the blood, put it on basins, put it in basins. Half of the blood and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Half and half. Now, I, I love this. To, to make this statement, the prophet told us that once the seals were opened, that's once those seals come off the book, once the lie of the tribe of Judah stepped forward himself and opened the book, and you find it in Revelation chapter 10, verse 1, which we got to get a picture here, where, you know, of him standing there with the book open. He said he had a little book open in his hand. That's what Revelation chapter 10 said. He put one foot up on the sea, one foot up on the shore. He had a little book open. But the ram taught that only he could open those seals. Only he could open those seals. No one else could do it. No one else could pull the seals off the book. That was just the Lord Jesus. So he said, once that happened, he said, it literally made your Bible a brand new book. Not adding to or taking from, none of that, but you now can see not as a you know, glass darkly. And you think about a book sealed. It wasn't exactly like this, but it's like my book is sealed, but I want to try to say, well, I see a number 912 right there. I see the words uh, mount for the, and, and you don't really see the full picture. But when he steps forward and illuminates it all, you see him clearly, face to face. <clears throat> so he said, the prophet said that, once this has been done, that you can go back and on every page and every sentence and every verse and every chapter and every line of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, Middle Testament, and see the Lord Jesus Christ on every page. And he said, if you cannot, then you got to go back and read it again. So we keep these things in mind. Every, every, every scripture you read, every scripture you read, and you also must keep in mind that everywhere it speaks of the groom, it also speaks of his wife, because they are one. They are one. Not two. Oh, I'm just pining for. No, no, no. Calvary's happened. Calvary's happened. And, and I love you that, that right here in Exodus 24, it's talking about where half of it went and where the other half of it went. You know, he took it. His, he died on the cross. They stabbed him up in his rib cage, and water and blood poured out. Water and blood. The prophet said he was separating her from him. Separating her from him. That half, that his other half, his counterpart, his other. You know, God only dates God. God only marries God. God only, uh, only shares his throne. He actually made the statement, I'm God and I'll share my throne with none other. Share my glory with none other. No, so who is he sharing it with? Himself. So who are you? I'm him. I'm him. Ah, it's too simple. That's too simple. Too simple. So in uh, every, every, single, every single place that you would see the one that opened the seals, every single place you'd see the one that opened the seals, you could see a representation or a type of those seals, of that what was hid behind one through seven and each of those manifestations, which in all effects reveals Christ. All effects, it reveals Christ. And Moses is, is told by the voice of the Lord, by the voice of Elohim to do this and do this and do this and do this. And he don't break his covenant. He don't break his truce. Uh, you know, it was what Second Timothy said, there'll be truce breakers. There'll be covenant breakers. He's not one of those. 
He don't break his covenant. He don't break his truth. He said, I say this, I say this, I will always back this up. Every time, every place, everywhere, I will always back this up. And I make my statement. And these words are read right before the people. And the people actually gets together with one voice and says, we will do all that the word of God says to do. Who was sitting there when Moses said that statement? Who was there? Elohim was there. The word. You, you know, he is the word. We'll make it a John 1 in a little bit. He is the word. And the word is still the discern of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And the word is sitting there as his prophet is, is re, retelling the words, word for word. Because Moses was spoke to lip to ear. God's mouth to Moses' ear. That's the way God spoke right to Moses. And Moses said, okay, you said this. Oh, not that word. This word. And you tell him this. And he relays it to the people. The prophet is standing there. Elohim is in the room. And he's reading their hearts. He's reading their thoughts. He's reading their mind. And they all stand up and said, oh, yes, we'll do exactly as the word of the Lord. And he probably stepped back. It would have been better if you just kept your mouth shut. Your heart is so far from me. You don't even want me. You don't even like me. You resist me. That's what Stephen's saying. You resist me. These people that are sitting, not all of them, but majority, they resisted him. Their hearts were so far from him. Oh, we'll do everything that he says. We'll do what the Bible says. We'll live by the Bible. It's the only thing that's true. Sure, sure, sure. I don't like that part. I don't like that part. I don't like that part. And they pick and choose whatever they want to live a Christian life. And it stinks before God because it's death. It's death in the pot. It's death in the pot. But God's a redeemer. He took half of the blood. He put it in basins. See, I like that part right there a lot. He took half of that blood and put it into basins. See, you're you're a type of a basin. You you're a type of a basin. You know, it, just in a natural sense, my husband and wife, you know, in natural law, you get half as half. You know, you get fifty fifty. He get, and that's what you know, it's supposed to be. It's beat out of most of the time, and Paul don't get that, but it's meant to be half and half as far as that works. And and you keep that in your mind, and you think about, I got half of the most precious, beautifulest, perfect, uh, redeeming blood. And it's not about you only got half. You understand what I'm saying? It's just, it's just a type of what God has for you. He took half of the blood and he put it in basins. And that, that word, it is italicizing. And again, I, I've shared with you what I, how much I love italization. And half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant the book of the covenant, and he read in the audience of the people, and they said, again they say this, all that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. They said, we're going to do what he said, and we're going to be obedient to it. See, I don't have time to get into Second Thessalonians when it talks about when the coming of the Lord and, and he will be glorified in his people. He will be glorified in his people. Now, a believer, a believer that has their faults, has their struggles, has the times they fall down their face, but they keep getting up and say, God, forgive me, help me, Lord. But a believer that believes what he says and then does everything within their power to make their life line up to it. I used to 
want to do this. I'm not doing that no more. I used to want to do that. His word says, no, I'm not doing that no more. But I believe what his word says. And as that word is being made manifest to your life, it's not just, okay, I'm a Christian. I've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Okay. I've stepped that far up onto it. Okay. Let's keep clearing our, our levels as we move up. Okay. God has sent a prophet. Okay. I can believe that too. Now, God in that prophet has done such signs and wonders that books can't even hold what always been done. I believe that too. Now, in that, God through that prophet was allowed to go back and explain what Revelation chapter 2 and verse chapter 3 mean. I believe that too. Got the church ages done. Okay. Now we're up to February 20, 1963, and then over in March, the seal starting to preach, and God steps forward, and he's breaking that word. I believe that too. I believe that too. I believe that too. I believe that too, and it keeps coming, and it keeps coming, because my sheep hear my voice. They know it. They hear it, and a stranger's voice, they will not follow. Will not follow. Even in the breach, which I, I, it's a very, very gripping, very powerful statement, even in the breach message, Brother Brown makes that statement. He said, the scripture proves that the seventh angel messenger will be on the earth when that mighty angel steps down. That's in the breach. That's before the seventh seal is even preached. That the mighty angel, that the seventh angel will be on the earth at the same time Revelation 10 when the mighty angel steps down which is a perfect type, which is a perfect um, um, you know, agreement with what was spoke over the river there in 1933, the voice out of heaven that said, just as John the Baptist forerun the first coming of Christ, Malachi chapter 3, that your ministry will forerun the second coming of Christ, just as John the Baptist, John the Baptist said, here's the Lord Jesus. William Branham said, here's the Lord Jesus. Most don't understand the coming of the Lord. There's so much that without a revelation, without clear understanding, even as you read through Matthew 24, Matthew 25, then you jump over Luke 17, and you keep following those scriptures through. Is it during the tribulation? Is it before? Is it after? But you gotta, you got to read it with an understanding, and God sends a prophet to make these things clear. This means this. This means this. Even down to, as Jesus is telling that, as far as what the sign of his coming would be, that he comes to the point talking about um, when those elected, when those chosen, he's talking about the 140. 44,000. He said that when the, the when this, um, learn the, the parable of the fig tree. Is it the fig tree? Learn the parable of the fig tree that when this, the olive tree, learn the parable of the olive tree, when it begins to put forth its bud, when it for, begins to bring forth fruit, know that summer is nigh. That's what he says there in Matthew chapter 24. That happened in 1946 or 1947, 47, that Israel became a nation, was legally, finally accepted and received as an actual nation. That began, that summer is nigh, 1947. That was on Palestine, on the other side of the planet from Jeffersonville, Indiana. On the other side of the planet to the Jews, but to the Gentiles, because the sun, as in Luke 17 and Matthew 24, wear you out on as the lightning cometh out of the east to the west. And it keeps moving like that, that as that gospel comes forward and keeps coming forward, that it, that it goes as far as it will go. And it comes forward in present now that God is dealing on the soul of America. He's done, he's done conditioned and created and prepped a prophet that will only speak what he speaks. Again, lip to ear. This is what he said. This is what he said. If it were not so, I would not have told you. So, as God is setting up for the Jews, he's also making his bride ready. He's making his bride ready. The Bible says his, land, his bride made herself ready. You can't do this on your own. Your part, again, is to surrender. Lord, all of me, all of me, all of me, all of me, all of me. And he steps in gladly. 
So it's God's doing that. Then you have the 40-year time span, the 40-year time span, which is a generation. So if Jesus is right, and if his prophet is right from 1947 plus 40 years, not everybody in here was homeschooled. So 47 plus 40 is 87. That's just a, little, a funny little joke because I was public schooled and most homeschools got better math than mine. But <laughs> I had a guy who was sharing with recently to me. He said, well, you know, you know, we understand that happened in 1947, but, but you know that a generation is actually 120 years. I'm thinking, which Bible is that in? But they don't understand. I wasn't taught that it would be that way. I was taught that it would be a physical coming, just like the same body. That, that's not what the scripture teaches. Luke 17.30 says, In the day when the Son of Man is revealed, it doesn't say when the Son of Man that was, gave his life on the cross steps out, and now you see him. That's not what the Bible teaches. It says when he will be glorified in his saints. That's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. When he will be glorified in his saints. That's you right now. Him glorified in his saints. I got to go a little further so I can tie all this in together with you. He took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, all that the Lord has said will we do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people now. Now we sprinkle upon the flesh, the actual earth of this constituted people. And he said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. So you've got one that's standing there that keeps all of his words, that keeps all of his covenants, that will never break a truce. You've got on the other hand, you've got another group of people that their heart is so far from him. But he said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. That's his words and your words. You said, you said, you said you'd believe him, and you said you'd be obedient to him. That's what you said. <clears throat> well, I mean, you know, it was it was it was heaven or hell kind of issue. It is. It truly is. Oh no, I've got time. I got time. Not one of us has promised tomorrow. Not one of us has promised the next hour. You don't have time. You don't have time. Why sit you halt between two opinions? Give your heart to him right now. <clears throat> then went up Moses, verse 9. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and said to the elders of Israel, verse 10, and they saw God of Israel. They saw the God of Israel. Everybody reading the same thing I'm reading? They saw the, you believe the Bible contradicts itself? See, in John 1, it says that no man has seen God any time. Does the Bible contradict itself? No. Then what's it mean? There's a way to understand what it means. That no man has seen God the Spirit, but they were allowed to see the glory, or they were able to see the God, the, the, the body that he created. He, Moses asked, can I see you? He said, you cannot see me. He said, but what I will let you do is I'll put my hands over your eyes, and I'll walk before you, and I'll let you see my backside. See, it's not a contract, not a contradiction. You've got to understand what he's meaning. They saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. Under his feet, paved work of sapphire stone. And as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness, in his glass darkly. Only partial revelation. That's not what he wants. That's not his purpose. 
That's not his expressed attribute so that you would see him in his clearness. Now, if you look at that body of heaven, that body of heaven, as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness, that takes you over to, I think, is it it Matthew 8 or Matthew 9, the Mount of Transfiguration? That translation jumps you over there, and we've rolled that out on you a lot lately, that they saw him transfigured before him, and that even his, he shines so much that even his clothes shine brighter than the noonday sun. Same one. Same one. Seen him in his clearness. They're not going, man, I can't really make out. Has he got a head? Has he got a leg? No, I see everything. I see his head. I see his nose. I hear his ears, his lips. I see him clearly. I see him clearly. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw God and did eat and drink. And the Lord said unto Moses, come up to me in the mount and be there. I'll give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments, which I've written that thou mayest teach them. And Moses ran up and his minister Joshua and Moses went up in the mount of God. And he said unto the elders, tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. Again, they're in charge while I'm gone. Everybody understand? They're in charge while I'm gone. Moses rose up. So read that part. He said unto the elders, tarry ye here for us until we come again. And behold, Aaron and Ur are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let them come unto them. Moses went up into the mount, and a cloud covered the mount. A cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. Six days, and the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Out of the midst of the cloud. He called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Moses is prophet. Now, in, in February 28th, they took the picture of that cloud. Six, seven, eight days, whatever it was, the prophet was up there hunting. And people leave the message over that. They don't understand that, that you know, he only saw one particular picture, but he didn't know what God did. He knew what God said. He calls to him. The, the Lord calls to him out of the glory, out of the midst of it. The seventh day he called on Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So down the hill, down in the valley, where the children of Israel, they look up, they had seen a mountain that had been covered by clouds. Now it looks like it's on fire burning, like it's going to devour everything. Everything. That's what the sight of his glory looked at. Moses went into the midst of the cloud and get him up into the mount. And Moses was in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. Um, Just before we leave here, jump over to Exodus 25, verse 8. And we've read this chapter to you before in the last couple months, but I wanted to read this verse to you. You can see God's, what he wants. You can see what God wants. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. To one with me. John chapter one. In the beginning was the word. I had to get it pulled up. 
read from one of these guards of the New Testament. John chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, the very life of God. It was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Whose name was John. And that was is italicized. Again, focus, pay attention. The man's name was John. If you were to back up just three books over to Malachi chapter 3, he's prophesying about this man that will come forward, this prophet, this third use of that Elijah spirit. And he said, there was a man sent from not Elizabeth, not Zacharias, not the, the scribes, not the Pharisees, not any of those, sent only from God. Now, if you were there 2,000 years ago, you would have the option, it's like people do today. You believe it or you don't. You either believe it or you don't. How many people stood there that knew the Bible, that could quote it backwards and forward and saying, I don't believe that man was sent from God. He had so many standards. They could quote the Bible right and left. They said, I don't believe that man was sent from God. But you had so many others that were standing there just as simple as can be and said, I believe it. Why? I can't explain why, but I believe it. There's something way down deep in there that is crying out and hearing what's being said. The same came for a witness. This one come for a witness. So you know right away that this man, this prophet, is a witness. And his purpose, there is his comment, is to bear witness of the light. The one that shined in the darkness, that darkness comprehends not. His purpose is to bear witness of that light. Bear witness of that light. And we, we sit in a church today as a body of believers, and you can see the, the, the fourth use of that Elijah spirit, and it was prophesied in Malachi chapter 4, and you see him bearing witness of that light. The same one that John bore witness of. That light. That light right there that you can see with these eyes. Each one of us are different ages old. We have different amount of wear and tear on these eyeballs. Uh, some have brand new eyes, some have good eyes, some never were good eyes, I always struggle with something like that, but each one of us can see that, and you realize you're seeing the exact same light that John was talking about, the exact same light, that when it moved amongst the darkness, that the darkness couldn't even comprehend it. Most humans today can't comprehend that. I don't understand, I don't understand, it don't matter, it's what it is. That's who he is. That's who he is. <laughs> he was sent to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. All men. Well, I got some people I don't like, so I don't want to witness to them. I don't like this person. I'm not going to witness to them. I don't know if they can handle it. I don't know if they can do that. He said all men. Well, then I've got all these names on the list, and I don't, I don't want to tell them. I don't want to tell them. That one will be hard to tell. No, tear it up, throw it away. Start witnessing. Tell them. See, if you're the bride of Christ, you're going to express the same attributes of Christ. And the Bible says about him, he would that none would be lost. Well, I mean, I know that there are some that won't believe. And, and, and you've you got to pull that out of your vocabulary. I'm not disputing that part. I'm not disputing that whatsoever at all. But you've also got to see the heartbeat and the character of your husband. I don't want none of them lost. You mean the ones that spit in your face on a daily basis? He says, I still don't want them lost. Hell wasn't made for man. 
It was made for Satan and his angels. Hell had to be enlarged to take man. It had to add on to hell. It had to do some renovations. It had to do some expansions just to make room for him. That all men through him might believe. This is Malachi chapter 3. That all men through him might believe. And if that was the purpose of Malachi 3, I would promise you that's the same purpose of Malachi chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. Four, no, 5 and 6, sorry. Malachi chapter 4, verse, that all men through him might believe. You know that, that you won't find one place that William Branham said, look at me, look at me. I'm making me a church of William Branham. Send all your checks to me. I'm your boss. I'm all these different things. He always said, look at him, look at him, look at him. Bow to him, not me. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I look at him. Always pointed to him. So you understand that Malachi 3's purpose was that to, to witness and shine that light to everyone that would see him, that would be Malachi 4 purpose as well. Because they're always, every, uh, every celestial body would uh, witness of its sun, its, its primary, its light giver. The moon doesn't put off light of itself. The moon only shines the light that's reflected from the sun. The moon isn't sitting up going, oh, look at my light. Look what I got. No, the light's, the moon's saying, look where it comes from. Look where it comes from. Look at that light. That's where all things come from is right there. There's no uppiness about it. There's no heady, no high-minded about it. It's look at him. <laughs> Verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That's the true light. So the prophet taught us about when you're born, you're born with Four different uh, rays or beams or I don't remember exactly what words was of cosmic light, which you know that cosmic light is a spinoff of his light. That's where all light comes from. Let's to you in John. That each one of us are born with four rays in you as you're born. And four, a number of deliverance. That as you get older, those lights, they burn out and you get over and eventually your life is extinguished and you leave this mortal coil. And different things in your life can diminish or steal that light. That, um, you know, I can't remember exactly where it was, but one of the Reader's Digest, I've shared this with you a lot, that they were able to take an uh, x-ray machine or something like an x-ray machine, and a man was going to pray for someone that was sick. They put some kind of lead sheet under him, and they wanted to take a picture of it as he prayed for this sick person, and they were able to watch the light leave this man's hand and go into the sick person. The x-ray testifying of what John is telling you right here. This is that same light. That was the true light. He said, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now, that light is, God is not cosmic light. God is Zoe light. No beginning, no end. Perfect purity as there is. That other light has a beginning, has an end in its place. Your heart becomes a burning flame of the Holy Ghost. That's how you get into heaven. You don't get into heaven without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You must receive the mighty burning fire. Now, token is given, token is granted. I'm not disputing that process well, but as far as actually taking a rapture, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Same as today. As he was then, same as today. They don't know him. He came unto his own. The Jews, the people that were called by his name, he come unto his own, and his own received him not. They told him that you're the devil, you do all these things by Baal, Baal, or whatever or they called him all the different times, that you are just a demon, you have a devil, you have all these different things, and he's like, but you're called after my namesake. 
uh, in the Revelation chapter 4 series, but Ram was running through that. He's describing what the church ages was, Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 3, from Ephesus all the way up to the Laodicean church age. And he said, you understand that he's only on the outside of the door in the Laodicean church age. He said, you find God's purpose his people, but they put him out. And you said, you understand that, that he was only actually in that church. It doesn't say he was on the outside of the others. He was only on the outside of that church. All the others were a move of God, but he wasn't behind those. They took it and organized. But the Pentecost did the same thing. They took that move of God and what did, and they organized it. And now we can, we got to separate from you people because you don't believe like me. And then you have the uh, the UPC, you have the Pentecost of, uh, of JPC, just nonstop acronym, and, and we don't have no fellowship one with another. No part of God in that right there. He was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But this is where it gets beautiful. As many as received him. We just told you, we read the scripture where the Jews said no. We, we read that to you in Exodus 24. He's doing, saying that in their heart. Their lips are saying yes, but their heart is saying no. We'll not surrender. They're telling him he's not worth it. No. But now, verse 12, as many as did receive him, did receive him, to them gave he power. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Again, can it be that easy? It is that easy. He gave them power to become sons. Now, as the scripture will teach you, uh, you either were or you weren't. It doesn't mean that we can now, you've got different songs that say they've added another name to the Lamb's Book of Life tonight because my, you know, I'll give my heart to God and, and God went back and, and wrote my name on the back of the Lamb's Book of Life. No, he always was sons. The only reason you become a son is because you always was a son, but what he gives you is the power to surrender your life and to walk in his will and his way, and now you're adopted by him, not by your standard, not by your idea. Well, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty good Christian. I, I feel like I'm a pretty good Christian. It ain't your standard. It's his standard. It's not your standard. It's only his standard. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Now, in English language, you know, it's how it's diminished so much in even our lifetime. What words don't really mean the same thing anymore. Uh, even in the last hundred years, and the way that the amount of words can be used to describe and depict something, uh, they've you, they've chosen to dumb it down so much and to make it where you can't even be. Uh, so I heard a guy using uh, King's English to read the Three Little Pigs one day. And he's reading the Three Little Pigs. In King's English, it lasts about 20 minutes. In our current language and, and are the, the things we use, it lasts two minutes, three minutes, real fast. But the description of in the King's English uh, of everything, and you can literally paint you a picture. Everything being painted. Oh, I can see the I can see the house of brick. I can see the house of straw. I can see the, the wolf breathing in deep breaths to, to blow and blow. But when you go back to the other one, you're like, well, that was cute. But in the, the vernacular of what's packed into this line, the expression and description of, of godhood, of Elohimness that's packed into this line, and it's so easily just blowed right past. You, you can't just stick around John 1. you got to get to John 3.16. That's the only one that counts. No, this one is so powerful, and it's just smoked right on through. 
You don't just get power, but you become a son. And not just a son, but a son of God. Not just a son of any kind of God, but a son of the one that created all there is. John took all those preceding verses and saying, before anything was, he was there. The everything that you see, taste, feel, smell, imagine, you jump from the attributes of the, of the flesh to the attributes of the spirit, all those things, before any of that ever was, he was there. And he tells you that through faith and accept him, receive him, surrender to him, walking in him, that you be actually come him. It is so amazing. It is just so amazing. <laughs> Verse 13, which were born, not of blood. Not of blood. Each one of us were born of blood. We were born of water. Each one of us were. We have a spirit that's put into us, but not of blood. He's not talking about that. He's talking about a new birth. A new birth. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. There's your passion. There's your lust. There's your marriage bed, whatever it might have been. That, that comes in not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of the man. I need sons. I need daughters. And this is how it must go. We're going to multiply and replenish the earth. None of that was there. You didn't become him by any of those fleshly desires. Not one bit. But you become him, not by the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but just again, cram-packed. Such a description in three words, but of God. Okay, heal on the next trip. Next verse, next verse. No, no. Let that sink in a minute. Let the weight of that. It was not through my dad's idea, my mom's idea, my grandparents. It wasn't through lust. It wasn't through any of these things. It wasn't because I was a good person. It wasn't because none of those things, but it was solely, responsibly, and only through the will of God. Again, so easy just to blow past, blow past some of these things through the will of God. You think, well, I never even wanted to be a Christian. He wanted you to be one. So guess what happens? You'll be one. <laughs> Verse 14. This is where the, the, the inspiration of our church name comes from. This is where the weight of this church name comes from. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. As he was then, he is now. As the word was made flesh and dwells among you. Not in one body anymore, now in many bodies. Many-membered bride body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bright and shining fiery lights of him. The word was made flesh. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And he gets the parentheses right now. And we beheld his glory. And we've just been quoting to you all night, Second Thessalonians, that you become, you express his glory. You're literally, that when they look at you, all you see is his glory, and he becomes glorified in his people. He becomes, that's what he wanted, to get the preeminence in his body, to be glorified in his people. He didn't show up. That's what so many people that have the second coming goes, well, I've been, I'm a so-so Christian. I'm a mediocre Christian. I'm okay. And, and then the coming of the Lord happens and poof, okay, he picked me. Let's go. Let's go. He's not going to take you as you are. You can't make nothing of yourself. All I can do is make a wreck. I can make bad. I can do bad things. He can actually change your life and make you someone he wants to marry. Clean you up, change your life. Can you imagine? Some people you can't stand to spend five minutes with. Some people you couldn't stand to spend a day with, couldn't stand to spend a week with. Can you imagine someone like that trying to spend an eternity with them? They're still running their mouth. 
You think he put up with that? No, it all got to go away. Be still and know that I'm God. That's a very simple but very powerful statement. Be still and know that I am God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. They should have been writing these things down. So the one you're going to point out, he was before you, but we know for a fact that man's six months younger than you. He's like, no, no, let me back up again. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So when he tells you that Abraham knew him and loved him, you say, yes, Lord. I believe that. When, you, when he tells you, I made that, you say, yes, Lord. You don't say, who do you think you are? He bear witness of him. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness... Of his fullness have all we received. Now, here's Colossians chapter 2. Of his fullness, that the fullness of the Godhead bodily can be fit into one earthly tabernacle. A paradoxical statement. It's impossible by all standards that you could fit someone that fills all time and space. The matches don't work. It literally doesn't work when you get into cubics or capacities or any of those things that someone that if you could, if you had a way to even measure all the cubic area of just this planet alone to try to clamp into one five foot nine, five foot ten, 180 pounds, whatever the guy, whatever the body was, it's not possible, much less all in all. That but he said the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in that body. Now, from that statement, you understand that space doesn't matter. You understand that capacities don't matter. You understand that area, any way to measure and indwelling does not matter. So if you can grasp that, and you because what the devil will tell you that, okay, when you had God in one body, now you have him in a many-membered body, he must be a lot weaker. Again, measurements like that doesn't, it doesn't uh, even com compute when you're talking about this one. That he fills all time and space. The beginning, the past, the during, the middle, the, all those different things. And it was crammed in all time and space into one body. So for him to put himself into many-membered body, it actually gets greater. How could God get greater? How could a word of God get greater in the heart of someone that believes it? Because, again, what's his purpose? To reveal himself to you. But if him to reveal himself to you, you still don't have to believe him. He could come down, catch his way home, sit in your car, sit for you're driving home. Lord Jesus Christ appears there beside you in the body. He tells you everything before the foundation of the world, backwards and forwards. And you can say, well, that's nice. You don't have to believe it. You will because you're a believer, but just because he's done that and showed that many people that were in the room and saw that light right there, left there and said, that must have been a figment of my imagination. But to believe it, that gets powerful. That gets very, very powerful. See, become adopted, it means you believe who you are. To become adopted, all amnesia is wore off. I'm no longer, as Brother Bram, son of Charles and Ella Branham. I'm no longer just the son of Rory and Marsha Parker. I'm no longer just Sam Parker. And my body, my experience, my walk, my voice, my everything about me is being changed into the same one that was there at the beginning that created all things and by him were all things created. It's amazing. 
And it's, and it's still just blow right through so fast. This is what the, the scripture that's a prophet says of you specifically. Not just the one beside you, but says of you specifically. And of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. Zechariah talks about the headstone coming down, which is our day. Grace for grace. That's how you know that they tie together the first coming and the second coming, how it ties together. Zechariah prophesied that when that headstone come down, that Peter talks about the, the statue of a perfect man and the, the, all the different pyramidal shapes in, in all the different descriptions throughout the Bible, that it's this but needs a capstone, but it's this but needs a capstone. It needs someone to be the head. Someone to control, someone to possess, someone to lead, someone to guide. And once that one comes down, it'll be crying grace, grace. And John testifies what Zechariah says, we've received grace and grace for grace. That sounds simple. Very, very simple. Can you imagine someone brings you a gift? You're at home, you mind your own business. Brother Brown used this about the devil bringing you a box of rattlesnakes. This is what you do with sickness. And you have to sign for the rattlesnakes. Okay, I, I guess it's got my name on it. I guess it's my rattlesnakes. I mean, no, the Ram said, no, that ain't mine. You take it back. But it's got your name on it. But the doctor said, I don't care what the doctor said. My great physician says something else. My great physician said that by his stripes I'm healed. My great physician says that that don't belong to me. That's why my great physician, I don't care what your doctor said, my great physician says this, that's the perfect will of God. Not permissive, that's the perfect will of God. So now imagine, pull that apart as far as a negative look. You're sitting at home, you're minding your own business, and someone knocks on your door, have a delivery for you, I brought you some grace. And you take it, you step back inside, and you're like, that's beautiful. I love that. That's amazing. And you're there, no time at all, another knock on the door, someone else, here, I brought more grace for your grace. I believe that'll do it. I believe I'll make it. I believe I'll make it. I believe that that right there is powerful enough to bring about the prophecy where the prophet of our day said that she's the perfect, sinless, spotless, predestinated bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that right there will get it done. And you don't get that done without the headstone coming down. You just don't get it done. You know, certain things had to line up for that to happen. He has to be here to make that happen. <clears throat> for the law was given by Moses. We just covered that. We jump back to Exodus 24. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, and I've heard in my lifetime how people want to minimize the law that was given by Moses. And they because in the flesh it's so hard to live uh, maybe what it was said, but you never understood that that law was actually always described as a living saying, a living commandment, a living ordinance. And when you put that description in front of what it is, the Ten Commandments, let's call it the living Ten Commandments. It's not death. It's living. But you were full of death. Through the sin curse, full of death. But you've been made alive in Christ Jesus. There's no way you could have ever lived the law in death. You can only live that law in life. And Paul would say it like this, that I've been, I've been changed from the law of sin and death in that law of the spirit of life in Christ. It was, it was before, it was, it was something that trapped me. It was something that held me down because I was dead. But once I was made alive, once I was quickened, as Ephesians 2 says, once you've been quickened, it's no longer just something that I couldn't do. Now it's alive. 
and the word and the life of it, you can step back and, <laughs> and see its effect in your flesh. You can actually live it. It, it's there's so much and there's so much in depth there from from the commandments to the four guards to the two angels and the two cherubims with the fiery swords upon the altar upon the throne room upon the Shekinah glory upon the Elohim upon the Lord Jesus Christ possessed in your flesh right now and it's it's, it's just so much I do not have enough time to even scratch at the surface the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Why would he say that? Why would he use the word truth in there? Why would Luke chapter 17 verse 30 said, as 28 and 29 says, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, that it so it will be, Luke 17 30, so it will be when the Son of Man is revealed. Revealed. It doesn't say come. It says when he's revealed. So, <clears throat> again, Abraham was asked about that light. He said, is that the Son of Man? Is that light the Son of Man? But Abraham would say, no, that's just the Logos. And you step back, what do you mean just the Logos? He's trying to describe a difference for you to understand. Not two different people, it's a different manifestation. That's the Logos. That's that same pillar of fire that moved upon the planet, that brought it back into relation. That's the same pillar of fire that was there in the beginning. That's the same person, but that right there is not a revelation because that revelation must be believed. So when he's revealed, it can't just be, I'm telling you that he's here. There's something on the inside of you right there in your heart that says, I believe it. I believe it. I, I don't, it's completely contrary to anything I've ever heard, experienced, or imagined, but something in me cries out and says, I can see that in the scripture. I can see that in the message of the hour. I can see that in the revelation of my heart. So when you've got someone that fills all time and space, the fullness of the Godhead body, he fills all time and space, that right now, if that's a true statement, that he exists eons ago, as he exists now, as he exists eons that way. Same one that fills all time and space. So if he fills all time and space, if he is everywhere, where would he come from? Where would he come from? He purpose, as we've shared that with you, the express purpose of God is that you might know him, that you might know him, that you might surrender to him, that he might have preeminence in you. This doesn't come where, okay, the, the price was paid. I've been redeemed. Praise the Lord. He, again, comes to buy me, pay the price for me. The second time he comes to get me. When he does that, it's not needing a body as a sacrifice that was sitting on the throne, that was put there, the right hand of God that Stephen described, that that blood was put there upon the altar from now and forevermore. It's not talking about that. Now you get to know him. As Jesus told the woman at the well, he said that he's a God who is spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. So that tells you, that somewhere in your psyche, somewhere in your makeup, somewhere in the beginning of all this, a lie was told. And if a lie was told, he who, 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 uh, who fixes every error, who, who writes the wrong, would make a way that a truth would overcome that lie. Well, I mean, it's just a simple thing of, of, of a serpent beguiling Eve and, and, and telling her that God is this, but he's not this. God is this, but he's not this. And then he gets traction in a unbeliever 
gets her to unbelieve, making her an unbeliever. Then he gets traction in another human body, gets traction in another human body. And now 6,000 years, you have so many people that are, that are just perverted with unbelief. Perverted with unbelief. Wouldn't believe that you, you have 2,000 years ago, if the Lord Jesus would have had like they wanted a grand staircase to come out of heaven, drop right down in Jerusalem, step down there and say, here I am, they would have still said, ah, no, you're not. And nothing in them to believe. This is scripture. They, he, he told them, though one was raised from the dead, they still won't believe. And you thought, oh, yeah, sure would. He was raised from the dead. Well, it's commonly reported among the Jews that they stole his body and they paid the guards to say that. Still don't believe. But you do. You do. And this word in the heart of a believer makes you powerful. This word in the heart of a believer makes you dangerous. Makes you very, very dangerous to the kingdom of the devil. Very, very dangerous. I'm going to read something to you. Maybe the best way to get to it. Uh, I'll go this way. I've got it in my, here we go. Got it in. And we'll, we'll draw this to a close with this right here. This is from God perfecting his church. There's two parts here that I'll read this from for you from. <laughs> this will be from God perfecting his church, 1954. And this is from. Um, that was pretty long. Okay, I'll still do that. God perfecting his church. What a terrible thing it was. This is uh, December 4th, 1954, Charity. When his voice spoke out and the thunders roared and the lightning flashed, the people said, let Moses speak unto us and not God, lest we die. What a terrible sight it was. That was God, holy. That was God, comma, and he says, holy, period. That was God. But watch, he loved the people. He was trying to make his way. Then the next time God was manifested was in his son, Christ Jesus. Then he come through a virgin birth, conceived by a virgin, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. God himself came down into a blood cell and wrapped the blood around him. God wrapped blood upon blood upon blood upon blood until he created that body. We don't generally think of it so far down into the molecules as that, into the actual atomic level. But the prophet said God spoke a blood cell into existence, stepped into that blood cell, and then began to wrap blood cell on top of blood cell on top of blood cell until he created a body to be born in Mary. The creator did that. <laughs> that God himself came down into a blood cell and wrapped the blood around him, the blood cell, the germ of life of God himself, wrapped in this blood cell that brought forth the Son, Christ Jesus. He said, now, what he does by that, to make you perfect, to make you perfect. I'm going to pause on there just a minute. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, Go ye on the world and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 17, 19, 12, whatever, Matthew 28. And Jesus says those words. A few chapters later, in, in, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost is given on the day of Pentecost. And they come out of the room, they're drunk men. They're all, they're all staggering around like drunk men. But remember, our God is one Lord. Hear you, Israel. The Lord our Lord is one Lord. He is one. God is one. He has many different manifestations, many different representations, but he is still one. He said, I will share my glory with none other. 
So Acts 2, they come staggering like junk men, drunk men. They ask Peter, what can we do to be saved? Peter said, be baptized. Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So right then, you should grab your Bible and throw it in the fireplace. It contradicts itself. Peter did not do what God told him to do. Hang on. Peter had a revelation. So you jump over to Acts chapter 14. Paul finds these other people that are baptized that are there. They don't have the Holy Ghost. He asks them this question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? See, there, are, there is a justification. There's a sanctification. There's a baptism of the Holy Ghost with fire. Justified, sanctified, baptism of the Holy Ghost with fire. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He said, we've not even heard if there be such a thing as the Holy Ghost. This is their statement. He said, how were you baptized? How were you baptized? They said the baptism of John. We were baptized in the baptism of John. Paul tells them that John only baptized unto repentance. Not to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You only baptize unto repentance. Now, everybody with me so far? So you got Peter saying the name of the Lord Jesus. You got Paul saying we baptize them in the name of Jesus. Two of them. Contradiction of scripture? No. Revelation, understanding. Jesus said this. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. He said this. He said, straight is the gate. Straight is the gate. You with me? If you read in your Bible, that's not spelled S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. It's not spelled S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. It's spelled S-T-R-A-I-T. It means water. Water is the way. Water is the way. The bearing straight. All the different ones shall use that water. Jesus said, straight is the gate. The water is the way. It is through that baptized. Sanctification, justification, sanctification. You must be baptized. It's not meant to be that it does something. It's an outward expression of an inward work. But it must be done in the correct, absolute manner that it was given for John 1 to come into effect for you to get the power. Because if you're not named, baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't get the power. This is a uh, uh, just a basic fundamental fact. Basic fundamental fact. Guess who else knows this? Just take a stab in the dark. Your enemy, Satan, knows this. Your enemy. So you have no one ever being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost until I think it's 355 A.D. 350-something years after the last apostle dies. 300-something years till someone be baptized. Why? There was no one there to say, that's not what he said. He didn't say baptized. That's not what he was meaning. That's not what we've done. That's not the revelation was given. Waited till they were dead. And now they were saying, okay, what we'll do to make sure that any of those people that believe, that believe, we'll tell them you must baptize this way. And you watch how he's perverted even baptism to where now it's not even needed to be an immersion anymore. Now you can just be sprinkled. Now you can be sprinkled and not even know it. Infant baptism. What infant knows to give their heart to God? What infant's done anything where they would say, I need a redeemer, that I need a restorer? What kind of infant has anything in their heart for that? They don't know him yet. They don't have come to the age of accountability, have not felt any of the, the, the shame and condemnation of this world. <clears throat> so he knew how to tear out your power. So why would Jesus say, baptize you that way? He's not to contradict what Peter's to be done. He's not trying to trick you or trip you up. 
None of those things. He's telling you that the only way you come is through the expressed attribute of the Creator. That He, as a Father, He, as a Son, He, as the Holy Ghost. And I'll read this to you a little bit more. You can see what I mean by that. Get it to come up here now. That Keep that in your mind as we read this again, that the Creator, the Elohim, created a blood cell, the germ of life of God himself wrapped in this blood cell that brought forth the Son, Christ Jesus. The Son, an attribute, a way to be manifested, a way that you would know him. Now, what he did or does by that to make you perfect, nobody, Shouting, screaming, jumping, running, fit, nothing to make you perfect. That he did this to make you perfect and to bring you back into fellowship. He brings you through that blood cell into himself. He said, do you get it? And if you're sitting there like, then you didn't get it. I'll read it again. He brings you through that same blood cell into himself. Do you get it? You the same way through the blood cell of the Lord Jesus that unveiled the life of Jehovah. Unveiled the life of Jehovah. Remember, Jehovah created a blood cell and wrapped himself up in it. And that body was called a son of Jesus, the son, Christ Jesus. All the same person, all the same time. He becomes a part of that life. So deity itself lays in the man that's received the Holy Spirit. Deity. You heard me right. Deity. So I ask you again, I ask you Sunday, have you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Then deity is incarnate in you. You are a son. He said, I'm a Branham by birth. As a part of Mr. and Mrs. Branham is in me, and if you become a son or daughter of God, part of deity lays in you. He says, see how the devil robs you? Say, oh, you can't do this. All things are possible to them that believe no matter what it is. You're a part of deity, a son, not a servant, a son and daughter. Why, brother, it surpasses all angels and archangels and everything else. It comes, right. listen to this, right into the presence of the potter himself. Right in the presence of the potter. And how are we brought? Through the blood. Through the blood. Amen. You come into deity. You become a part. I love this. You're welded in. Welded in. Now, for those of you who have never done any welding, if a good weld has gotten penetration, you'll break the steel before you break the weld. He won't lose you. He said, let's think of God folding around him now. We're going to enlarge it billions of times from this blood cell. And their God in this blood cell folded himself up. Paradoxes can be. Crammed God in a blood cell. He said folded himself up, wrapped himself in this blood cell, and come to redeem man to life. Hallelujah. There when that blood cell spread out and spread out and brought the body, Christ Jesus, Jehovah himself was tabernacled in him that through the bursting of that blood cell at Calvary might bring sons and daughters to himself in the blood cell to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ into himself. And we become a part of God. He said, that's what makes Satan mad. He says, that's what shakes him, shakes the devil. 
Boy, that's what shakes the devil. Now, you might be quiet because you're tired it's a Wednesday night, but any demon that's in the room or outside this room is sitting out there shaking. You can hear knees knocking. They're like, we can testify. We're scared because of it. When the church of Jesus Christ only knew who they were, well, you say, oh, I know there's nothing impossible with God. God said there's nothing impossible to you. You got any things you want to point that at? You got anything in your life you want to point that word right at? I'm going to point at that. I'm going to claim that. That's possible for me. That's possible for me. That's possible for me. I claim them through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I claim it. This is what I was trying to get down to, Revelation chapter 4, uh, 1961, Charity, January the 8th. Revelation chapter 4, number 3. He said, now everybody can't be a preacher. Everybody can't be a preacher, but you got a voice. And if you can't preach the people a sermon, if you're a pre pre preacher, he said, you're called to the pulpit to preach. If you're not, you're still a preacher, but live the people a sermon. Let your sermon be lived, and it's the voice of God. Your life is the voice of God. Your life, each day, get up, I believe him, and my life's fruits prove it. I believe him, and my life's fruits prove it. I believe him, and my life's fruits prove it. Am I perfect? Not yet, but I'm headed right toward it because he's perfecting me. He's perfecting me. He said, it, that sermon, let your sermon be lived, and it's the voice of God that will bring reproach to them who reject it. They say no one can put a finger on his or her life. They're sweet. If there ever was a man of God, it's that man or woman. He says, see, live your sermons. Don't try to preach them if you're not called to be a preacher. You get all <coughs> mixed up <coughs> anyhow. Messed up, you'll get people tangled up, and you won't know, well, you'll rule them and yourself. He said, just live your sermon. The preacher's called to preach is, and to live it too. If you can't live it, then you stop preaching it. But you're supposed to live your sermons. All right. He said, here is the voices. Oh, how we need in Jeffersonville thousands of lived voices. Thousands of lived voices, which is the thunder of God thundering out in sweetness and holiness, purity, undefiled lives, walking around in the earth today without a blemish. He said, yes, sir, real Christians, that's the thunder against the devil. The devil can't care how loud you can holler. He don't care how much you jump or how much you shout and do this or shout. But what hurts the devil is to see that sanctified, holy life consecrated to God. Consecrated to God. Say anything to him. Call him anything. And him, just as sweet as can be, move right on. He said, that throws him away. That's the thunder that shakes the devil. It's all standard feet as we have musicians come tonight. Again, that's too simple, ain't it? That's just too simple. But I can see it working in your life. He's my Lord. In the hills, oh, 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 oh,
you love him so much tonight yes, amen. what a mighty god we serve that's the that's all i want to do is love him all i want to do is love him Oh, on the cross of Calvary, so every day my mind will praise Him. I know I'll never be the same. Oh, all I wanna do is love Him. Love is all is all I wanna do is love here. for me. Oh, Jesus, Oh, on the cross of God, 
saying the purpose of all of that was that as God walks through your life and every manifestation and every attribute he's cleaning up a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more as you surrender to him and he is the one that begun he's the one that will finish the work this is nothing but the truth let's talk to him just now dear Lord Jesus how great and mighty you are. Lord, there is nothing in our life, there's nothing in existence that's too great for you. For you are God and you are God alone, and we are your Lord Jesus, how we love you. How we love how you open it to your people. Lord, we, we believe you tonight. We receive your word, Lord, just as that same statement that Mary made all those years ago, be it unto me. There's so many promises, there's so many commandments, there's so many prophecies concerning the bride of this day. Lord, we, we thank you for them, Lord God, because they give peace and comfort to our hearts that we're not just twisting. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. But Lord, your, your, your word tells what kind of a man, what kind of a woman that will be, what kind of an army that will be, Lord. And that the very sight of it, every demon in hell is scared. And the fear, the terror, they, they call us terrible. They call us dreadful. The ones that have tormented many of us so much in our lives, it's gotten in between every relationship, every trying to put a little complex or a fence or a scar or some kind of burr in us somewhere. That same one that in our life in times past has had such traction, has had such success, now is what Because, Lord, we're manifesting you. We're shining you, Lord. We're surrendered to you. And you are moving and having your way in your people. Lord, how much we thank you. Lord, these aren't things we can do on our own. We're not strong enough. We're not big enough. We're not great enough. But there's none bigger or greater than you. And you've begun that good work, Lord. And you said, as long as we abide in you and your word, Lord, it will do what need to be done. We trust you tonight. We pray you bless our brothers and sisters and you would help them as they go their separate ways, Lord, that, that if you're moving amongst anyone's heart tonight, Lord, and that you've moved and, and put a tug to their heart, Lord, that there'd be nothing they could do to get away from it, that it would just burn and burn and burn until they completely surrender. Lord, help us. We want you, Lord. We don't want any idea. We don't want any thought or want, Lord God. We only want you. We don't want our own ways. We don't want our own ideas. We only want you. And we believe that's what you're doing in us, Lord. We thank you so much. Help us. Bring us back here safely on, on, on Saturday night for the meetings, Lord. We've dedicated these upcoming meetings to you, Lord. We've, we, we know, Lord, that it, you will move in a very special way because at the very least, there will be at least two or three here gathered together in your name. And again, your word declares that you'd be in our midst, Lord. And we've described you all night long as a very supernatural need meeting God, a healer, a restorer, a deliverer, a breaker of chains, and a remover from prisons. 
And Lord God, that's what kind of God we want to serve. We don't want to serve a dead God. We don't want to serve a God still stuck in the Bible. We want to serve a God that's living and moving and having his way amongst his body. We surrender these meetings to you, Lord. We pray you would help Brother Joe as he travels here and there, that you would have mercy upon him, Lord. Give him traveling mercies for any that would come to fellowship with him. Lord, I pray that, that each one of us, that not one of us would miss what you'd have for us, but each one of us, our testimony would be that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am now closer to my Lord Jesus Christ than I've ever been before. I don't want to hear anyone say, I'm, yeah, it was okay. It was just so-so. But, Lord, I pray that you would move through our bodies in such a simple, sweet way that we'd be drawn near. That's my cry for our brothers and sisters. Help us. Lead us and guide us. And we thank you, Lord, for being such a good God. We thank you for keeping your word, Lord. Thank you for being our healer. Thank you for being the one that still meets all of our needs, the one that sticks closer than a brother, that's, that's closer than our very arm is to us, Lord. Thank you for going in your bride. Thank you for changing your bride and making us into your image, Lord. And we give you all the glory and all the honor and the praise. And we just simply worship you with all that's within us. In your lovely name, amen. Sing that song again. All I want to do is love you. For me, oh, Jesus, pay the price of redemption. Oh, on the cross of Calvary, so every day my heart will praise Him. I know I'll never be. The same. All I wanna do is love Him, love His holy name. All I wanna do is love Him. So glad I know His love for me. Jesus made the promise of redemption. Oh, the cross of God for me. So every day my heart will praise Him. Ah. I'll never be the same. Oh, all I wanna do is love him, love his holy. Oh, all I wanna do is 